This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome to episode 171 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How you doing, pal? Kia I'm good. Anyone who's listening, please just immediately hit your rewind button or whatever the whatever we're calling that. Just 10 seconds just to hear the inhalation of breath that you did there, Dan. I really like I really felt like you were you were gearing up for like a uh, like you were going to do like a high jump or something. It was really impressive. Sometimes for a uh, little uh, insider tip is when I'm editing the podcast, if I see <laughs> those little gaps in there, sometimes I'll try and cut them out. And particularly at the start and end of the, podcast, at end of the podcast, like where I'm like, <laughs> all right, adios. Like sometimes there'll be like, like these weird gaps in the way I say it. So I have to kind of try and tidy it up. I, this, I mean, I'm apparently a, a host on this on this podcast and i did not know that you i didn't know any editing was going yeah oh wow i i you should be getting a pay rise i didn't realize that this was part of the role yeah look, there's a little like I, I particularly at the front and at the sort of the back end or if there's like a weird pause like somewhere where you know like our internet's playing up and we whatever or they'll, they'll, you can just see it in the audio file like the 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 heartbeat of it goes flat and it's like i've got to chop that out it really messes with my time codes but i do it for the listeners <laughs> i feel like i feel like i now need to start listening to this podcast because i'm now convinced that you're cutting me out i reckon there's whole sections where i'm giving like arguments counter arguments and you're like i'm not having that i'm not having that on my podcast and you're just cutting it i'll let you in on a secret paul i don't actually record your audio i just record my own and so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot of sense that when we do hear back from, you know, cast members and writers and directors, they generally are talking about what you've spoken about <laughs> and never me. This makes a lot of sense now. It's all coming together. Anyway, Paul, yeah. what have you been watching this week? So this week, Dan, I have one TV series and then a movie of the week. So my TV series is the third season. I'm not sure if it's the final season, but it's the third season of Smother. So uh, so Smother is a show I've talked about both seasons before, season one and two, when uh, I've, I've sort of talked about this 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 Irish show set on the rugged coast of, of, of County Clare. It's a, a BBC and RTE produced um, TV show. Um, that's centered around sort of the 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 matriarch of the family, uh, Val Ahern, and and sort of digging into the family secrets. Um, as it's gone on through the the last few seasons, the the plot has sort of moved away from the original synopsis that you might see if you were to look on IMDb, for example. Um, but this is a show, um, as I've said before, as you would expect with you know. BBC and RTE combined, it's really top quality production, the directing, the, the, the casting, all of that is is superb. And it's a show that I've really enjoyed over the last two seasons. And despite not enjoying one of the characters in the last season, I did come into the season looking forward to seeing the direction that it might go in. But what I got then was not at all what I expected. It was... It was not to the same standard as the previous seasons, and 
it's really disappointing to say that ultimately it was very disappointing. Paul, I can't believe I'm hearing these words from you. You're you're a, a beacon of positivity, and um, I know. And and I think for you to say this is this is this weighs heavy with me that it's got to this point. Yeah, oh, it's it's really. I mean, I, and I do want to say because as you and I have learned over the course of 170 podcasts that you never know who might listen in generally to you, but sometimes to me, the cast performances were across the board su- superb. And as I said, directing production was, was all there, but what wasn't good, Dan, can you guess? I'm going to go ahead and say the storyline, the writing. Yep. The writing just mediocre with implausible, um, situations and conversations and character reactions and characters were doing things out of step with their personality. There's a character in it who gets introduced into this third season, major, major sort of impact on the story called Paul. And he was terribly written, which I always find a bit triggering as it reflects, you know, badly on the brand Paul, I think, mm. but it just, it just didn't come together in in the right way. It also did something very different than it's ever done in the previous two seasons. It starts the season by showing you, goes right to the end. So it starts by showing you a whole scene right before the end in the, in the very first episode. And then it sort of says, you know, six weeks early and it goes back in time. And I, I always find those sort of uh, approaches fine. I don't know that it worked so well for, for Smother. I think Smother is the sort of show that perhaps is better as it unfolds naturally by itself. But, um, the one major positive I do have here, and it's interesting because I was just looking at the ratings. If you if you ever look at the ratings of, of season three, the, the finale gets the highest rating of all 18 episodes so far. The series has, and I shouldn't say the series, the season has a really superb conclusion. It's very cleverly written. It's so out of kilter with the rest of the season. It's like it's like um it's like Sherlock level subterfuge and misdirection and you, you just don't see it coming and so i'm i'm really glad that i did hang in there till the end because sometimes you know you sort of think oh do i bother and i'm just committed to it so i did but it was a real dog's breakfast in between but the writers pulled out a really really astonishing finish i mean the 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 rating so the final episode gets an 8.4 as opposed to you know the first episode gets a 5.4 to give you a bit of a mm-hmm. you know an idea there so do you think this was you know obviously this wasn't a good season but was some other uh, series that needed a third season yes yeah, see i think that's possibly where the problem is and this is where it's sort of reflected in the synopsis because the synopsis of the series really only sort of hones in on what happens in on on season one and i remember watching season one and not even sort of being aware at the time if there would be a a second season because it felt very much like a mini series and i do i do feel like given the right story this could run for six or seven seasons really well because the characters so many characters and they're all you know these irish strong characters strong family characters a lot of you know we've got the the mother and all the daughters it's a very um very strong female-led cast and as i say those casts they do the best job they can with what's what's been given them as it were and it's also the kind of show that i can it's almost the kind of show that i can just watch and enjoy because the irish scenery is just 
you know, so beautiful and it's so, you know, this rugged coastline. Um, So I really enjoy, you know, as I've talked about just last week with Belfast, I really love that, that Irish. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, Mr. Fox from Ireland confirmed the correct pronunciation is Kieran Hines, not Syrian Hines, as I butchered it last week. So appreciate the Irish input there. But um, I will be back for a fourth season if it comes, because I really enjoy the characters and the family dynamics. They just need the right story. Simple as that. That is a shame, Paul, but I appreciate your uh, open and honest feedback when it's not its not always the, the pork and our roast into glasses. Correct. And it's good sometimes because... As I've been advised lately, I often bring to the show a lot of all the guns TV shows. And so every now and then it's good to have a bit of balance. But yeah, season three um, of Smother and all three seasons in New Zealand are available on TVNZ+. What about you, Dan? Very good. Well, um, what have I got? So I've got a couple of movies for you this week. So the first one is... We noticed on Disney Plus over the weekend that the new Avatar movie is available to watch. So it's, yes. it's been a very long time since I've seen Avatar. And I know that you reviewed Avatar, I think it was back in episode uh, 81, according to the Half Measures podcast. So Samara convinced me that we need to rewatch Avatar 1. I kind of tried to re- I've been resisting this for a while she's been wanting to rewatch it for to be honest with you quite a few months and I've kind of haven't really been buying into it too much I kind of was like yep yeah, we need to re like it's I think because it's so long I think that's what kind of puts me off I feel like I've seen it I had a good time when I watched it I've seen I feel like I've seen it again a couple of times since then but I I I didn't remember the story, but I'll, I'll tell you, Paul, I actually had a far better time than I really care to admit. Like, I quite enjoyed it. My only mm. my only one thing with Avatar, and it gets me every time, and I don't know why I forget, is we pause for some reason to make a cup of tea, let the dog out, whatever you do, and it still had like an hour to go, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, because it just feels like a movie with just the ending just overstays its welcome. But it... I did really, I guess to be fair, really reappreciate this movie for how amazing it is from a, a technology point of view for 2009, especially after sort of coming from our, our movie of the week this week. Um, and I know that we're, sort of, we're talking quite different periods, but this movie does kind mm. of stand up very well. It's it's like James Cameron, is, he's an artist when it comes to this stuff. And so... yes. So this has kind of lined us up quite perfectly uh, for next week for watching uh, Avatar. What is it called? The Way of the Water. So just so I give you that that, yeah. early, that early heads up that we'll be doing we'll be doing that one uh, in time for next week. But yeah, Avatar Avatar one still good, still a good movie, still way too long. Um, yeah, it's yeah yeah. What more can I say? I think. I think I agree with just about everything you said. I think it's about 30 minutes too long because it's closing in on three hours. And, and you and I both love, you know, an extended edition, you know, like Lord of the Rings, like Snyder Cut of Justice League or whatever. But but this, it I, I it just needs to be short. And the, 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 the first third is, you know, I think just superb. It's It's so different. It's so satisfying. But I feel somewhere in the middle, there's, you know, there's a bit of time where they can just, they can cut that out and, you know, um, but you're right about James Cameron as as an artist. I think it's one of those movies where I just I sort of say, oh, I've not seen 
something like this before. And that's what James Cameron does so well. It's like, as we've talked about again in the past, when you know, walking out of the cinema back in 1991 after Terminator 2, just groundbreaking. I've not seen something like that before. It's 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 so well done. And I'm yeah, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about the the new one because this one now is what are we looking at now? Two thousand oh, it's like, you know, fourteen years old and it still looks immaculate. It's it's a testament to, to James Cameron, isn't it? it? It really is, and like you've really got to give him credit when you think about the the amount of CGI in this movie is completely out the gate. Like the the characters look great. It's bright, it's colourful. He never shies away mm. from, you know, using more and more CGI. Like it, and the fact that this was a 2009 movie and it hasn't like – obviously we have a lot of that with superhero movies and other genres, but it is really groundbreaking for its time and you do have to give it that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it is it is good. And it, like the, I, I'm glad I've rewatched it in preparation for Avatar 2. I've, I've got no concept of how much it's going to leverage from this, but it was good to kind of mm-hmm. re-familiarize myself with the universe. Brilliant. Yep, that's the way to do it, back to back. Um, I look forward to, to next week then. So, yeah, you can watch uh, Avatar on Disney+. Plus, um, and, yeah, watch uh, Way of the Water if you want to join in for the review next week. And Paul's already seen it, so it should be a, a good combo. The other mm. movie I've watched is – it's a new movie. Uh, we purchased a movie, believe it or not, Paul, like which feels very old school on um, – Old school? Old school on Apple TV, which was the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. Um. Yeah, so we wanted to see this movie when it first came out at the the movie theatre. Both Samara and I have a – we've dabbled in the Dungeons & Dragons game. We kind of – we know how to roll a dice. Um, This movie (laughs) – this movie has got some pretty good reviews out there. Like on on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 90%. It's got a 93% audience score Mm. uh, on – IMDb, it's it's sitting at about a seven point three. A lot of people have said how much they love this movie. I've heard a lot of love. We we didn't have that love, Paul. We didn't have a good time. So what's interesting oh, about no. it is so first of all, it's a great cast. It's a great looking movie. The the whole experience from that sort of the the vibe, the universe, the the acting, the casting, the, the colourfulness, the the quality of the uh, production, all super high end. We just didn't, for some reason or another, connect with the story. And it kind of felt like, for us, though this is a Dungeons & Dragons movie, it felt like they just tried to really jam in every trope they possibly could from a, a Dungeons & Dragons yeah, universe. Right. And... They were just kind of like relentlessly, and I, there, there was a few moments that were kind of funny in this movie, and like I, I'm being hard on it because I think it is so critically accepted. But I just like I came into it thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have a good time, and I guess it's not that we didn't have a good time. It just it wasn't quite as enjoyable, and I I hate it when that happens when a movie is so well liked particularly on somewhere like Rotten Tomatoes when it's at 93% because it makes me feel like what's wrong with me Paul why don't I like this like why can't I be having a good time and I feel like is it because I know the reviews are already high is it because I know everyone else loves it yeah I don't know yeah it's interesting eh because um I had a feeling this would this would crop up on your radar at some point, and I saw the trailer for it and I from a trailer perspective I thought oh this looks like it could be a lot of fun obviously 
you know, massive Chris Pine fan. Also, I really, really like um, um, Reggie Jean Page, um, who is probably better known to a lot of people from from Bridgerton season one. You know, throw in Hugh Grant, Michelle Rodriguez, and a whole lot. There's, from a, as you say, a casting perspective, it sounds fantastic. And it's interesting that what you're saying is in line with what I've just said about about season three of Smother in terms of writing, because the difference here is. Um, these writers, uh, they certainly are successful in the comedy space because they did, um, well, I found them funny anyway, and they wrote the movie Horrible Bosses, which, you know, I just found that hilarious. Uh, I also quite enjoyed, um, Game Night with Jason Bateman, but they also, yeah, they also, um, did the, um, Spider-Man No Way Home and that, that movie was really successful, wasn't it? In terms of, um, that sort of reaction so it's really it's really a shame that the writing's not quite there but hearing you say throwing in every trope i can imagine that with similar genres where they try to recreate something and just throw everything in there just to sort of as a catch-all and it sometimes it's too much like there was moments i think like because like you say like this is an incredible pretty incredible cast to bring together in a a dungeons and dragons movie and it, there was several times where I was like, I, I'm just like, I'm so amazed that like Hugh Grant is in this movie. Like, I guess I was equally amazed when he was yeah. in Paddington, but it's like, it just seems <laughs> so, so kind of out there. Um, and I know that I'm probably going to cop some flack because I know that a few of our listeners have really enjoyed this movie and, and had a good time with it. And I wonder whether had I come to this movie before it was so sort of heavily um praised maybe i would have had a better time i think it's i just hate it when i i have too many expectations around a movie and this this really was that so i don't know whether it 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 just it wasn't right but what was interesting is is both me and samara kind of felt the same way like it wasn't uh it wasn't just me being on my high horse um not being like she and because normally she's she's far more forgiving than i am she's definitely oh no it was fine it was really good this was okay you've been too mean um but no it was a bit of a a bit of a miss for us unfortunately being too mean i um yeah it's and i know you are you know some might say a bit of a dm in this universe um so I, i trust your judgment on it um it's it's going to be interesting because I will probably eventually get around to watching it based on the cast alone. I'm intrigued. And I wonder if my being certainly less, less deep into the law L O R E of, of Dungeons and Dragons, whether I'll be able to separate that out and I'll miss some of the things that have sort of not quite worked for you. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think that that is interesting. And I think maybe that it does have a lot of like mass appeal in that sense. Um, because I think too, to someone who's not kind of too deep into that Dungeons and Dragons universe, like it is a, a relatively fun swashbuckling adventure, um, and and maybe some of that stuff wouldn't kind of matter as much. Even me sort of saying that I, I didn't enjoy, I feel like I am being quite hard on it, and I, I don't know what I was truly sort of looking for from it, but I do think because it was one of those movies too where it was like like it's so expensive to rent a movie these days. It's like. I don't know, twenty four ninety nine to rent a movie or twenty six ninety nine to buy it. Like we we're just like, I oh, will just buy it, and then it kind of like it rubs the salt in deeper, and it's like, oh, now I own this movie and I didn't have a good time. <laughs> well, you never know. You may you may go back on another day and have a different experience. But um, I'm trying to think. I was just trying to think as you were talking about what would be a similar 
um, not I don't know if genre is the right word, but like a, a fandom or something of a movie that I might watch. And if it's something that's sort of close to my heart, I might be more critical of it than than you might. And I, I was thinking like, oh, maybe like a football movie. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be on my radar, Dan. So we will talk about this again. And look, I I would imagine, and I'm. I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to make more of these movies. Like, it's really set up to sort of continue this universe. And I, I know it has done very well. So, look, maybe at some point I'll I'll give it another go. Maybe I was in the wrong place. The moon wasn't aligned. Who knows? But that is available to watch on uh, Apple or Google or wherever you may rent or buy movies. I imagine it's probably not too far away from appearing on streaming services. So, Keep an eye out for it. Uh, interested to hear any other sort of reviews from across the network. Indeed. Well, well, that is what I've watched. Shall we jump into our movie of the week? Let's do it. So every week we take it in turns to choose a movie. We announce what the movie will be a week in advance in our Discord community, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes. This week, as advertised, as promised, we are diving into the second of five Indiana Jones movies, the 1984 movie, The Temple of Doom, which is, of course, the second movie. Although, as we were talking about just off air before we started, Dan, as was pointed out by Michael in our Discord um, when we announced this rewatch, chronologically, this movie is actually the first. Mm, interesting. That that was definitely news to me. I I'd never. I don't know why, but it just never never registered. But um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's got a whole uh, yeah. It adds a whole other sort of way to watch these movies. It makes sense to me for the first time ever when I think about it, because I guess I'm thinking about the whole legacy of Indiana Jones and thinking about his relationship with with Marion and how he sort of. In the first movie, he's with Marianne, and then in this movie, he's with um, Willie. And and yet, actually, if we were to watch these in chronological timeline order, as we have done previously with uh, you know with Star Wars movies, um, we would see Indy having his adventure with Kate Capshaw's character, and then go on to meet Marianne in the next movie, and then later on again in the fourth movie, and, and so on. So it kind of actually sort of Make what's the word I'm looking for him? It makes him to be a little less of a player and more sort of loyal to who he's with. Mm-hmm. I think what this has really kind of alluded to me just in the last 30 seconds, Paul, of how much more you understand the Indiana Jones universe than I do. Like, I just, like, I feel like it's just been so oh, long. Right. I have no concept of like who's coming back in the fourth movie. Or, you know, like, I, I, okay. I, I don't, oh, spoilers, spoilers. I, I don't have that timeline in my mind. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we will be there in in two weeks' time. But yeah, and and I think when we get to that point, we'll revisit that conversation. But but the synopsis for anyone who sort of hasn't seen this one for a wee while, um, nineteen thirty five. This one sent Indiana Jones is tasked by Indian villagers with reclaiming a rock stolen them by a secret cult beneath the catacombs of an ancient palace and so once again returning obviously harrison ford is indiana jones uh kate capshaw comes in as the lead actress playing willie scott um and there are a few other notable um performances and actors in this movie who perhaps at the time were not as famous as they are now 
Mm, indeed, indeed. This is an interesting one, Paul. Like, I have a very core memory um, from my childhood of this movie. I remember it being on TV one night, and I remember getting up to the point where uh, they get in served uh, dinner uh, by the Maharaja, yes. and they're getting, you know, served like the various animals and the monkey brains and the eyeballs and stuff. And I remember just being absolutely blown away of how crazy it was. And I then I remember having to go to, like go to bed, and the rest of it was like recorded <laughs> on like VHS or something. I had to watch it the next day, but it 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 kind of just brought that whole core memory moment back to me. And in, in watching this, yeah, no, it's um, it's funny because probably of of all the movies thus far in childhood, I feel like this is the one that I have seen the most. I feel like, you know, back in the day, back in the UK in the mid eighties, this was the one that was on, you know, BBC one or ITV over Christmas. And so we would always get played because, you know, when these movies were on back in the day, you took your chance and watched it. And so I feel like um, my connection to this is, my connection to this is possibly stronger than Raiders of the Lost Ark, even though I'll give my verdict right now and say that I I still maintain Raiders is a better movie. Um, But yeah, this one, the thing that always amazes me is how long it takes to get to the, to the, you know, the ultimate sort of scene, the finale with the mine cars. It always feels like that movie, that's where that part of the movie happens earlier. But actually when you watch it, you realize, oh, this is the final act. This is um I I agree. I I definitely prefer Raiders of the Lost Ark over this movie, but I'm with you that this feels the one that I, I it feels so familiar. Um but I definitely I definitely got a few I, there's, there's things I like, but I've also got a few complaints in, in rewatching this. So I I really, really love um Kihu Kwan as as short round. I just think he's the ultimate sidekick for Indiana Jones. And again, this is going to really play into my uh, naivety of the sort of upcoming movies that we're going to watch. But I wish we had uh, sh- like why isn't short round taking on the mantle of Indiana Jones? And that's kind of the you know the the future direction of these movies. Like that would have been so good. I I just I just love his relationship with Indy. It's it was it kind of felt heartfelt. They've got a great charisma. Um, it's yeah, it, it kind of felt special. Yeah, I feel like there there surely was a place for him to have, even if not even if not um, Last Crusade, you know, because that's only 89, so that's only five years later. But when they did the, that fourth movie in 2008, mm-hmm. the, the Crystal Skull, how hard would it have been for him to have to have shown up there or, or to to show up in Dial of Destiny? I mean, I'm not looking ahead to spoil it, but I haven't heard or seen anything of him. I remember seeing lots of footage of Harrison Ford and him on stage at the, um, the Oscars when, of course, um he was you know there for everything everywhere all at once and there was like these there was a lot of comparisons of him hugging as as Indy and then him him hugging now and I, I thought that was really lovely but yeah no you're absolutely right as a sidekick just an astonishing performance and has obviously gone on to become so much more famous well yeah it's interesting right because he actually has a a big long period in his acting career where it's only just now that he's really kind of been almost rediscovered so it's um an interesting uh, little Hollywood backstory, I guess. But one of the things I I think I found 
and I don't I don't want to be that guy, Paul, because I feel like these Indiana Jones movies have have a place, but I feel like this one has got some very questionable things going on. Like I feel like there's a bit of blackface going on in this movie. I feel yes, like yes. um the the general kind of like uh cultural appropriation or the the way that I think Indian yep. people are portrayed in this movie isn't good and, and it kinda got me doing a little bit of Googling and I understand um that actually at the time the the government of India actually raised some concerns with the way that uh, people were being portrayed and instead of dealing with it they shifted the film into Sri Lanka and that's why there's this like there's some interesting just kind of like it doesn't I feel like it hasn't aged as well. Like I feel like you can kind of give the the Raiders of the Lost Ark a little bit more of a pass, but this one, like it kind of doesn't feel too good. I don't know how you felt watching this one. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on, and I think it's just it's uh, I don't offer it as an excuse because that's done in in other circumstances for very very bad things. But the 1980s, this would have. This, this, what we're talking about now would would not be being talked about by many of the audience potentially. No, as, no, as it is now, it's not. It, right. And so it just, and as a kid, of course, experience it as a kid, I, I wouldn't have have realised those things. I mean, I was, I'm not going to go off track, but I was watching like episodes of the Muppets the other day and things, and and just seeing things and going. Wait a second! What, yeah, yeah, what is yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 pattern parcel of stuff from the seventies and eighties, of which um, I'm <laughs> I'm obviously one of the products of. So, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting that you sort of say it's age because there are there are other things for me that I felt almost aged this this movie in terms of some of the, and we talked a little bit about this with Raiders of the Lost App, but there are some scenes in the movie that they do feel like set pieces in there. And I, and I don't know if it's because I know the film so well, but I think it's because it's just aged a little, but at the same time as saying that it's not, that's not even really a criticism because I love the set pieces and in particular, the, 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 the mind cars with, um, um, yeah, it always makes me think of if for anyone who's played the, the Lego Indiana Jones games, I mean, just so much fun playing those scenes out. It's iconic. That sort of level of, when I think about the minecars scene, that is up there for me with like the trench run from Star mm. Wars and new hope. If you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's really, it's cinema history. And I just, I absolutely love it. Do you know, this while I'm on the down buzz. My actual biggest complaint though is not not all of this stuff because I think like this you know, if you if you start to hold every film to account then you'd be watching no old movie. So I like putting that stuff aside. One thing I really didn't like about this movie is all of the screaming. Like I just felt like and in particular <laughs> Kate Capshaw's character constantly yeah. screaming. And like it to the point where I was like it's too loud for me. It's like it was a real yeah. like George Costanza moment. Like it's too loud. It's too loud. Um, yep. Yeah. It's too much. Yep. It's it's interesting, Dan, because just to make it a comparison again to the Lego game, um, one of the special power moves for her character, if you press like on the PlayStation, if you press the circle button, it, it she screams and she can shatter glass and she you know and, and whatever. But on a more serious note, that is one of my issues. Is and it's actually more around the fact that I miss the dynamic 
between between Indy and Marion. I think mm-hmm. that that Karen Allen's character had a a much more rounded character, and uh, that allowed for a much more natural on screen chemistry with Harrison Ford. And and with all due respect to to Kate Capshaw, who does uh, again, as I've said, with Smother. She does a great job of what she's given to to perform to, but the character isn't quite as effective for me as as Marion as a character. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's funny you bring up the the Indiana Lego um, game because there was another moment in this that made me really feel like a real a real jerk is when they're Indiana Jones and Short Round and um, Willie are jumping out of the plane and they're in the they're in the inflatable boat. And I remember in um, Fortnite, the <laughs> video game, when you could unlock the Indiana Jones skin and the and the boat is like a and I was just like, oh that's the skin from Fortnite. Like it just kind of felt like such a like <laughs> that that's where you get your, your knowledge from these days. Like it's 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 so messed up. Who that's am I? Skin from Fortnite. Yeah, that's that's just uh, yeah. Well, that's something that needs to be edited. Um, it's talking of skins though, and sort of like the outfits. One of the things I like about this movie is how it starts off with with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in the you know in his um, his tuxedo and and what have you. And it's just such a great moment. It's kind of a bit of a stretch, but go with me. It's kind of like when Clark Kent first changes into Superman, there's something about him going from that tuxedo and changing into that Indiana Jones gear that we all want to see him in and sort of moving into that scene and just like a whole, it's almost like he has a persona change from the instant he puts that hat on. And, you know, when one of the great lines that um, Kate Capshaw's character does have is when he walks in and that, and she's like, what are you, a lion tamer? And it just, some of the dialogue really, makes me laugh out loud even though i've seen it so many times and just harrison ford like you talked about last week just has this uh hand solo just he pushes that boundaries of what's appropriate to say and not like the number of times he just refers to her as sweetheart and whatever is just it's 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 just so it is it, it's it's so funny because I, I, again I, I felt that same thing like this easily could be Han Solo this could be Indiana Jones like they yeah. they are the same character there you know it's and, and I wonder that is that the George Lucas factor is that the is yeah. it, is that just Harrison Ford I don't know what it is but it, the characters just feel so similar. You wouldn't. It's funny. I, I want to say you wouldn't get away with it in this day and age, but at the same time, I'm really glad they did because. You know, I would never not want Harrison Ford as either of those two characters, but it's it, it is scary how similar they are in that regard, and even some of the like this. Help me out here, Dan. I don't know if I'm going crazy. If we talked about this last week, or if we talked about it off air, but like the stance that he has when he's shooting. Oh with the yeah, gun, yeah, it was on. Um, and how? Yeah, and, okay. And so when he in the, you know in the raiders movie he sort of like he's not going to have anything to do with this sword fight and he just goes to pull his gun out and shoots them and they try to replicate that in this movie and when he puts his hand down to the holster and he's got that face that sort of says i know how to end this but then he realizes that he's got no gun and he goes okay i think i'm in trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> actually you just reminded me of, an, of another you know the 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 band from the 2000s the aqua band is it aqua and they're like Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, you got to yes. wake up now. Like that, yes. that again, for some yeah. reason, has stuck in my mind since watching this. So it's, and, and yeah. I just, 
I don't know why I just never put two and two together that this obviously it was an Indiana Jones play, and it's all <laughs> it just is. it's blowing my mind. Um, look, yeah, yeah I, I think it always this, amazes. There you go. I was, I was just saying, it always amazes me that Dan Aykroyd is in this movie. I always oh, yeah. forget, no matter how many times when his character shows up, it's always like, oh, really? That's right. Dan Aykroyd's in this movie. Um, it's it's always a, a cameo that I've somehow managed to forget. Indeed, and he's so young in this movie as well. I think the yeah. the other thing too in this movie, and I, I just don't think they make P, like like a PG movie in twenty and sorry in nineteen eighty four is so different to a PG movie. I think in oh, you know yeah. like you know people are bleeding, people are getting shot, like people are getting kind of like run over, getting their hearts ripped out, like that. Like it's quite graphic for for its time. Yeah, it is, and so uh, you know I've watched both of these movies uh, on the weekend with you know a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old and you know there are moments in this second movie where my little nine-year-old she was sort of she sort of had the cushion halfway across her face at one point because um there are some you know when he's actually in the temple and going through the ritual and you know, you know he's like he's turned and he's you know it's when you're watching it for your first time it's uh, mm. you don't know he's going to come back right Hey, he does come back. Indeed, indeed. I think my, I feel like I'm coming in as the negative guy here. I think what what would really probably do this movie well in today's age, like forgetting all of the weird cultural stuff that you like, whatever, um, <laughs> is I would like to probably see about twenty minutes shaved off this movie. Like it still is a bit too like like the ending's a little bit too long. Like it kind of really feel like it feels like there's a there's that sort of like intro kind of casino y type scene. Then there's obviously the um more of the actual temple of doom, but it did again just feel a bit long. I don't know if you felt that way. Yes and no I would I would make you halfway and say maybe 10 or 15 minutes but it's um it's an hour 58 um i think there are just a couple of scenes which are, are drawn out a little too much like as much as i enjoy the scenes uh at the dinner table with the you know with the with the bugs and the monkey brains and and all of those things i think that goes on a little too long um speaking of the casino at the start did you spot the name of the uh, the joint uh no i didn't club obi-wan it's um <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually it's actually on screen quite a few times and they sort of um sort of just hang the camera there just for a second too long and you're sort of like oh i see what you did there do you know what i'm finding um kind of alarming about this rewatch paul is i would have thought of myself if you said to me do you like indiana jones i would have been like oh yeah those movies are great but I feel like I don't know if I'm an Indiana Jones fan. Like, I, like I'm in. Like, like I I enjoyed the first the first movie. This one was okay, but it's it's really. You know how sometimes when you rewatch, like in my mind, like it, it was better in my mind than it was than it is reliving the experience, and it's kind of making me sad at the same time. It's like, oh no, I don't want I don't want to lose Indiana Jones, but I'm trying to keep a positive vibe. But I I do realize I've brought a, a lot of negative a, ne- a lot of negativity to this conversation. I don't know if there's any listeners out there with really keen ears who've been with us since day one or something, but somewhere along the line, Dan, we've talked about a franchise and halfway through you've said, what I'm realizing, Paul, is that you're a really big fan about this franchise and I don't know as much as as you do. And I'm trying to think what that franchise was, but I feel like I'm getting deja vu for that. 
this is this feels yeah yeah I, it's funny because even before when we were talking about what's a movie that's similar like i feel like we've talked about a movie that that you've liked with a lot of um tropes in it but anyway um i'm obviously i'm committed to seeing this through but i feel like it really is kind of challenging my mental model of how much of an indiana jones fan i am like and again mm-hmm. it's it's breaking my brain because I'm a big Harrison Ford fan. I obviously am a big Star Wars fan. I love Han Solo. I kind of, like, I do like Indiana Jones as a character. I just feel like it's, like, the freshness of these movies is really making me think about them differently. Well, I'm excited for all three of the upcoming reviews. We've got number three because we've got Sean Connery coming in and that's mm. going to add a dynamic, which will be interesting to watch. Number four, because just about everyone I've ever spoken to doesn't like number four. So that's going to be an experience revisiting that, but also revisiting it as part of a rewatch. And then, of course, number five, because none of us have seen number five. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. In fact, I'll tell you, I'm actually looking forward to watching number four the most because... I feel like mm. it's going to like you because I'm like yeah, I think I've only seen it once. I don't know of a lot of positive conversation about it, but I feel like it's going to be interesting to see a more modern take on it because I, I, I clearly have no memory of what really happens in that movie. I I remember Crystal Alien Skulls. That's that's about it. So. I've seen that movie at least a half a dozen times, so I'll 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 keep us on track in that one, Dan. Don't okay, worry. all right, I appreciate it. So I think look, both in sync, um, in terms of Raiders of the Lost Ark still being number one. This obviously makes this yeah. one number two. Um, it, look, it's great that they're on Disney Plus. It it is cool to go back and just just quit, like you know put all my childhood memories in the question, but um, yeah. Um, that being said, Dan, what's what's your pick of the week? Oh, that is a that is a good question. I think, oh God, I think it's going to have to be weirdly. I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's going to have to be Avatar, and I think because again, yes. I think I think what I'm realizing is the problem is me. A bit like uh, Taylor Swift said, I didn't want to watch it, and I actually had a good time. Um, and yeah, it's it's got me excited for the second movie. So. It's got to be that. How about yourself? I felt like that could be the the title of the podcast or the title of your autobiography. The problem is me. Um, <laughs> I would go with. Um, I w- I would definitely go with uh, Red as the Lost Art, mainly because Smother was never going to make it, and so by default it has to be um, Temple of of Doom. Sorry, and and I'm happy with it being Temple of Doom because I kind of felt bad last week that. Raiders of the Lost That wasn't my pick, so um, that works out well with mm-hmm. me having only watched uh, mm-hmm. six episodes of Smother this week. I think, um, just going back to this book, uh, my memoirs that I'll one day write for, I think that, that's the perfect <laughs> way to end the book. Like, the prob- like something, you know, the problem was me this whole time, and it's, I'll just end it there. It'll just be like those words written on a page. It'll be the end. This, this is going well, and amongst all the other chapter titles that you've shared with me thus mm-hmm. far, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I will be there for the launch. Indeed. Shall I uh, take us over to the news desk? Let's go. All right. So there's not too much on the news desk uh, this week, but and this isn't really uh, – I'm going to start with a bit of news that isn't really TV or movie news, but it's it's in a favourite genre of ours. Have you seen there's been a new Star Wars game announced, Paul, um, called yes. Star Wars Outlaws? 
yeah open what do they call it i'm I'm not in touch open world like a big massive yeah and it, so it's basically set between uh empire and jedi and you play the role of a, a scoundrel um it looks incredible um so interesting that we've just really gone deep into you know from a you know new tv shows gaming content like they've really just kind of locked into let's just keep it around Jedi let's go in between you know they've they're not no one's sort of dabbling with sort of the either the prequels or the the later sequels I guess what I find almost conversely quite interesting because I'm sat next to 47 canon Star Wars novels and they are of course in chronological timeline order of the universe and as I look at them here, and there's, mo- there's various books set in amongst all nine of the Skywalker saga, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi are side by side. There are no books, there are no canon novels mm. between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And it is an area that is largely unexplored and sort of almost like there's like a rule, like no one touches that area because who knows what we might want to do one day. So that is one of the things I find most interesting. Mm, interesting so yeah look i'm sure we're in the early days of the sort of game announcement i i believe it's coming out uh next year and there'll be no doubt tons of footage but um interesting to get more stuff in the in that part of the the star wars universe speaking of star wars we've also got uh an official release date for the ahsoka tv series so that's going to be coming out on Mm -hmm. the 23rd of august so Boy, we're, we're, what, about two months away from that, which is very exciting. Obviously going to be episode by episode drops, but. Yeah, it feels like a while since we had a Star Wars TV show to review. And I'm thinking Bad Batch, which of course is animated, Mm. was the last one we did. And then Andor was last year. So it just feels like it's been a wee wait. It has been. Am I missing something? No, I think. Oh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian season four, season three. Oh, wow. (laughs) half measure there yeah okay it feels like mandalorian season three was a long time ago but um in reality that was that was actually (laughs) only three months ago so okay let's edit that out as well a lot of editing i'll I'll edit that out yep yep don't good yeah well done um what else have we got here so a couple only a couple of other things pretty quiet on the news desk so um wednesday season two uh obviously wednesday from the adam family apparently is going to lean a little bit heavier into the sort of the the horror or the darker side of the Adams family um, rather than sort of obviously season two had a bit of a love story to it. They're apparently stepping away from that and going more into its, its roots. So that will be interesting. Um, what else have we got here? So uh, Spider-Man um, across the Spider-Verse um, has apparently uh had another amazing weekend at the box office but it did lose out this weekend. So, so two things with that. So one, it, it's, at the moment, I think it's surpassed $390 million and it's only been out for a couple of weeks. And the first Spider-Verse film that came out, which was absolutely brilliant, um, only earned $377 million during its entire box office run. So this is a, a huge kind of uptick um, for this. I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. I, lo- I love the first one. I highly recommend it. But it did unfortunately lose out to Transformers Rise of the Beast this weekend, which... Is yes. interesting. Well, that was actually the I think the one piece of news I was going to bring in was how much money that Transformers movie has made, and it's just 
it just goes up to show no wonder they keep making them because people still keep throwing their money at at them and yet as we've talked about in the past with the exception of the first one and bumblebee i could forget all of the rest of them so it'd be interesting to see what rise of the beast is like yeah i feel like it's interesting though because i think back in the day or when that first Transformers movie came out, like it's it felt like a must-see cinema experience, and I'm sure there's people like that. But I like I'm interested in the, um, I guess the rise of the beast. But you know, you and I have talked many times about that's not really a, a component of the Transformers universe that is of that much interest yeah. to us. But like, when it comes out on streaming, I'll 100% check it out. Yeah, oh, I will be there as well, and I find it interesting that every poster and trailer I see essentially leads with optimus's face or he's he's in there and yet really this movie is about that other sect of transformers the the beasts and so um but yeah i i mean here i am saying people keep giving it their money i will be there but i will wait till it's streaming mm-hmm. speaking of um all these sort of movies that are you know highest grossing i've got a list here of the the top 15 highest grossing grossing movies of all times and i thought it would be just worth kind of just quickly running through that list because it's like there's some oh, yeah. to be expected movies in there but also some interesting ones so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll start from the bottom um, and we'll work our way to number one. So number 15, Black Panther. So worldwide, 1.34 billion. Number 14, Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, 1.4 billion. 13 is Frozen 2 with 1.45 billion. Uh, Top Gun Maverick at number 12. I won't keep going the numbers. Number 11, Furious 7. I know that we're big fans of that universe. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's incredible, right? Uh, number 10, uh, The Avengers. Uh, number 9, The Lion King, which is uh, the, yeah. the, the remake. Uh, number remake, 8, yeah. Jurassic World. So crazy. Right. Num- number 7, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number 6, mm. Avengers uh, Infinity War. 5, uh, Star Wars uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, number 4, Titanic, number three, Avatar, uh, The Way of the Water, number two, Avengers Endgame, and then number one, the first Avatar movie. I mean, it is, I mean, just to come back to James Cameron again, to have three out of the top five, and let's not forget, we've got Avatar 3 coming out next year, Um, but there are some shockers in there. I mean, all jokes aside, the number of people turning up for, for Fast seven was it um mm. is is extraordinary but um and it, also it, the jurassic world one because uh, yeah. that's that's a that's yeah, crazy yeah eh? like and interesting too i think just how many superhero movies make this this list um it's like like some of them make sense some of them are kind of like wow especially furious seven of all of the fast and the furious movies I don't know if that's the one that I would put up there. I'd probably put number one, but look, that's just me personally. Anyway, Paul. Is it coming down to, Dan, just just as an aside before you move on, is it coming down to when people want to go to the cinema? Because you said this last week when I was talking about June and you said, oh, this was great on the on the cinema screen. And we've talked about movies. Oh, that would be great to see at the movies rather than it necessarily being a movie like The Godfather or or 12 angry men or something that doesn't need the big screen is it because uh, this is something that you should see on the big screen as opposed to it being 
knowing walking in handing over the money that this is not going to be the greatest movie you've ever seen i think that's what the movies has become now mm, it's i think you know obviously know. the 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 pandemic completely you know completely flipped the the cinema going world on its head and i think you know you and i have long talked about how we we love being at home we love being in the comfort of our house we love you know like it's a you know, nine times yeah, out of yeah. ten, you kind of have a better experience um, watching it at home. But but at the same time, there is movies that, you know, that are must-sees in the theatre. Like, you and I wouldn't skip uh, a Batman movie or a Star Wars movie. That's you know? right. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes what it is is – and, and you know, I'm probably um, I don't know guilty of this, but it's like – these movies that like you might just go to the movies for uh, a change of environment or because you haven't done it for a while, not necessarily because you must see it at the movies. Whereas I feel like, you know, you've only got to go back, what, five years ago. And so like going to the movies was a regular part of my life, but it's, it's just not now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. And I, I think another part of the, the why do I go is if it's a movie where, I cannot have someone spoil this for me or I don't want to hear something about it afterwards or see pictures of it online before I've seen it. And so then it, it justifies me paying to go see it. And in the case, as we talked about before with Star Wars, I will go to the midnight session, not because I'm the world's biggest geek, even though I'm up there, but more because I need I need to see it before anyone else can walk up to me and say, oh, I can't believe that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father kind of thing. Wow. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah, no, look, I'm I'm with you. Paul, any other news on your end? No, like you, Dan, uh, definitely a, a quiet week. And in fact, if I take us over to the mailbag, also very quiet there. In fact, just our peak performances that I can see this week, Dan, to report back on. And of course, last week we had the spotlight on Mel Gibson and we had uh, four contributors this week. We had Alistair from Nelson, who went with uh, the movie We Were Soldiers, um, which I think, to go back to a comment you made last week, I think may have been one of sort of like the last movies he made before the the Cray started to creep out, I think. Um, Sarah from Wellington went with Forever Young. Um, have not seen that movie since it, it came out, so great shout there. Um, I was really pleased that our Patreon producer, Diana, went with the movie Signs because... That's that was my honorable mention, and I love that movie too. And she also had a special mention uh, for the movie Ransom. And and finally, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast gave us his three, two, one. We were soldiers is also in his mix. The Patriot second place and peak performance for the second time this year is in line with me. He's gone with 1994's Maverick. So that is our mailbag this week, Dan. And no one as yet has mentioned Mad Max. Or Lethal Weapon. Did, no one said Lethal Weapon, right? Yeah. No, that's right. Two of the two of the most sort of go-to... I, I would have put money that we would have saw Lethal Weapon, Mad Max, or Braveheart, but no. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm For some reason, I felt some uh, sense of assurance that, that Paddy put um, <laughs> the Patriot in there. Like I was like, okay, 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 I'm not crazy. Okay, that's good, that's good. It's it's like a validation, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. I do love hearing people's uh, peak performances, so please, please write in mm. and let us know whether you agree, disagree, or got something new. And I love it when people have something new because um, it just speaks to the the quality of a of an actor or an actress. Paul, shall we do the the peak performance for this week? 
Indeed. So, like our movie of the week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose someone from Hollywood and pick out what we think is their best work. This week, Dan, it was your selection, and you put onto the table Colin Farrell. I did indeed. So, Colin Farrell is is another guy with a, a big back catalogue, but a relatively easiest choices for me. And this this could be a little bit of recency, but um, I think for me, for my honourable mention, I'm going to go for the the In Bruges uh, movie where Colin Farrell plays Ray, which is uh, one part of a a two man hitman team. I, I recently reviewed In Bruges here on the podcast, a, a movie that came out in 2008. I only just watched it in 2023. Absolutely fantastic time. I think Colin Farrell. This is one of those roles where you kind of see that the range of Colin Farrell. Like he can be funny, he can be serious, he can go deep into prosthetics and and play a whole different character. But I I think there's a real kind of like genuineness to him in this role, and I I really appreciate it. Mm. But what I'm going to go for my peak performance is again. It's I think it's because I, I had a lot of fun with him playing this role. It's not necessarily because it's the biggest role he's had. He definitely wasn't the main actor in this. As I'm going to go with uh, Colin Farrell's role as coach in 2019's The Gentleman. And I think this is just one of those the roles, these roles where you can really see that uh, Colin Farrell's having a lot of fun playing a, 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 a different type of uh, London gangster and He's one of one of you know ten people that sort of really stand out in this movie, but um, he he leaves a memorable impression. So for me, in Bruges and the Gentleman, how about you? Great, great choices, Dan. And um, the recency uh, conversation is uh, definitely something which weighed on my mind. And I looked, I went all the way back through to sort of discover, you know. What else have I really, really enjoyed him? Because, you know, I think Minority Report was where people sort of first noticed him, but he was actually in, he did like 18 episodes of Ballycus Angel, which is one of my favorite Irish TV shows from the 90s, which was with Dave LeCurvin, who's the lead in Smother as well. So funny link there. But mine are like you, they are recent. And my honorable mention is, in fact, as coach in The Gentleman from 2019, um, which I think Dan was actually our first ever movie of the week that we did back in podcast episode 16 and just just so funny just so good as you said he was just a real highlight i think you know sort of alongside hugh grant in that movie he was just he was just a real standout and he was really able to lean into that humor that he just so naturally has and it was and yeah i think it was at this point that i started to realize he was having that sort of second wind if you like which is a bit of a disrespect to everything that was in the middle but i I do feel like he's really of late come into his own into like a, a real peak and sort of like you know like we've, we've talked about with 13 lives and banshees of insurance and and so on and also with my peak performance which is as the penguin or oz as he's referred to in the movie the batman um which you know is very very recent 2022 movie and for me, and I, I think I even said it in the podcast review, I thought it was a performance of a lifetime. I just think he's, I, I think he, oh, I, I would say, say he tops Danny DeVito. For me, certainly I would say he's the best Penguin I would say I've seen since at least, you know, like I love Robin Lord Taylor in, in Gotham as his, his Penguin, but I just think there's something about Colin Farrell as this, 
very unique looking penguin. I think a wrong penguin could have not broken the movie, but really left a really bad aftertaste. It had to be right and fit into that, that whole film noir genre that this movie goes for. And I just thought he was, he was great. And he also gave us the immortal line, which became the episode title of our podcast 107. What the hell is this? Good cop, batshit cop, which was just great. And so, yeah, I'm going with um, the gentleman and the Batman. And what's kind of interesting, I guess, is, you know, we've still got the the Colin Farrell uh, Penguin TV series, which is coming. So I feel like we've only just kind of scratched the surface, I think, of his his potential here. So, yeah, this is a a great shout ball. I, I was so close to bringing this one myself, so I'm glad that you did. Yeah, um, I'm really, really, really pleased that we um, sort of had a couple of different ones because what you've mentioned there, there's yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what other people might bring because there is a lot in his back catalogue which I think is really top draw. There, there was a movie I wanted to bring actually, and and I didn't, so I'll be I'll be interested if it's in the mailbag next week. Is do you remember that movie uh, Phone Booth where Phone Booth? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And I, I, I was looking at the poster and I was like, I feel like this was good, but it's been way too long since I've seen it. And I, I didn't want to kind of, I didn't like, like, is it good? I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah. I, I'll be interested to see if it picks up. I think it is really, really good. And I couldn't remember enough either, but I remember being sort of, it's a very unique sort of movie from that purpose about how he's just, you know, he's basically at that phone booth the whole time. And it's, so it's very intense from that confined view. And yeah. Very I, good actor, and I can't wait for the, the – of course, we're going to have to wait for this writer's strike. That's what's holding up the the um, Penguin TV show, isn't it? I, I think – I honestly think we're in for the, the long the, – well, I guess it'll be the, the long winter for the US, but um, the, the long summer for us because I think by the time they sort this out – we're not going to like, you know, then there's going to be a back, a big backlog. It's, it's going to really delay a lot of filming to start probably in, until next year. So, oh, Paul, it's a, it's a bit of a mess. I, I really want them to get on top of this and um, sort it out. But anyway, here we are. I guess this brings us to the end of a, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Thank you as always for listening in. And as Dan said earlier, get in touch with us if you've got any comments or feedback on anything we've talked about and your peak performance for Colin Farrell, let us know at halfmeasurespodcast.com and be sure to check out on there the new latest reviews section so you can have a look through and see if there's anything you've missed recently that you can go back and listen to. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes. But until next week, everyone, adios. Mm-hmm.